Hey, Tower Hill Online. This is Karen G from the communications team at Tower Hill Church. We wanted to offer you something a little different this week. Uh, We've been getting such great responses from everyone on our current sermon series, Love in the Age of Outrage. So we wanted to dig a little deeper into Pastor Jason's head about what was in his thoughts as he was writing each sermon each week. So here is a one-on-one interview that I conducted with Pastor Jason Tucker. You and I were talking about how um, how do you come up with a sermon series topic and what's your thought process as you're doing each sermon, as you're writing each sermon each week. So we thought it might be fun for our listeners to get an inside peek about what goes on in your brain as you are writing this and, and how you formulate all the messages that come out. So one thing that really sticks out, big question in my head, is how did you come up with the topic of love in the age of outrage for your latest sermon series? Well, I think, well, first of all, I'm a little bit nervous about anybody being in my head or my thought process because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if they're going to like enjoy what they see back there. But uh, what I, what I do is I, uh, you know, I put on a robe and I burn some incense and I wait for the Holy Spirit. Okay, oh, that is not, so creepy. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's not what I do. <laughs> that's not what I do at all. But, um, really how it works is just like it works for all of us as we're listening to God and God will sort of point things out or or draw attention to things in our lives all the time. And I think for me, the way that I come up with a sermon series has everything to do with where I feel God is pointing me in any given moment. And then I'll ask myself the question, well, is this something that other people may be struggling with or thinking about? And so this topic, Love in the Age of Outrage, definitely has hit a nerve because many people are sort of in this same place of feeling like, my gosh, everybody's angry. I'm angry. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I sense that not all is right. Like maybe I shouldn't be this angry, but I think people sort of needed help framing that out or or putting words to what they were feeling. And I think that's when a sermon series or sermon writing process is at its best is when the spirit is you know motivating or sort of inspiring me to hit on a subject that really a lot of people are longing to hear and a lot of the time I don't even know that that's the case but it just feels like I think I'm supposed to talk about this so it's very um it's it's never a sure thing but you definitely feel like God's giving you those little God winks, as you call them sometimes, or just like pointing things out that eventually turn into a sermon. Yeah, I I can imagine like um, you're also getting, um, you know, if it's this past one was a four part series. So I imagine as you started writing the first one, your mind might have taken a different direction by the time you got to part four. So I'm curious, did the series take a different direction than what you thought it was going to when you started it? Yeah, that's a great question because oftentimes that does happen. And in fact, I'll end up changing plans midstream because it feels like I'm supposed to camp out more on this idea. Or actually, I think this other idea will serve the message series better. But this one I had pretty laid out from the beginning and it kind of stuck to its course, which doesn't always happen. I really wanted to talk about, really to talk about the problem, talk about how scripture addresses it, how we should do some reframing 
of it. So it's not just about like us versus them, us versus the world, but it's us with the world as Jesus was. And then, and then what do we do about it? What's the proactive move? How do we start moving forward? As I said in the series, playing offense instead of defense all the time. What does that look like? So it pretty much held its form all the way through, but that's not the case all the time. In fact, I'd say it probably changes more often than not. So in part three, uh, you know, that sort of leads into this one uh, section of part three. You talk about the diamonds against the black felt in a jewelry shop and how Christians should really pop uh, when they're compared to others. And that was actually an analogy that really stuck with me and also some of the ladies in my small group uh, the other day. We were talking about it and loved that image in our head about how we're supposed to pop as Christians and stick out from the rest. So can you talk about how you came up with that analogy? Yeah. So this is really funny because I've I've heard that too, that that was something that really has stuck with people. And the funniest part about it, maybe it's uh, it's a little humility lesson too. It's not mine. I, I got it from somewhere else. So um, Pastor Teresa actually had mentioned this. We were talking about something, and she was talking about the sermons here, and she says, you know, I was thinking about this thing that Tim Keller used to say about the Christian life being like diamonds shining against the black felt under the jeweler's, you know, lights. And I said, I really like that. I'm going to find a way to use that, because I think that's really speaking to this. And so I, I said it. So in the sermon, I'm like, this is something that I got from Tim Keller, or so I don't remember how I said it, but... Uh, I used it as really a, a pivotal kind of piece of moving from the problem to the solution. And that is, you know, how do we live love in the age of outrage, not just talk about how outrage is bad. And so, yeah, but it's funny that that's the thing that stuck with people. And it's, it was not an original idea, but it, that happens a lot is you'll read something or you'll hear something. And I just think that's how the spirit's like working in, in all of us Christians all the time. And we inspire one another. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I know you often get feedback from people about your sermons and, you know, that that uh, diamonds against the black felt is one thing we all heard about. But tell us, was there anything else that you were hearing from people about this particular series that stuck with them? Like maybe what impacted people the most or was there a reaction that you got that really surprised you? Yeah, this series, I think more than any other series I've done in the last nine years here, um, got more of an emotional reaction from people in a good way, in a really deep kind of way than any other series I've done. I had people coming up to me after with tears in their eyes saying, I really need needed to hear this, thank you, or I really need to do better at this, or people feeling convicted about it. I had somebody say, this is not the sermon I wanted to hear today, but it was the sermon I needed to hear today. And and there, it just, it hit a nerve. It hit a nerve because I think this is a reality that we're all living through. And so it felt like an affirmation for people. Like, yes, it's not just me, but it also was a conviction like, oh yeah, I'm called to do better. So, what is one of the favorite ways that you have that God um, shows you that you're on the right track with giving a message? Yeah, it's it's all about the response. It goes beyond, you know, I think people, when they see me after the service, the, I guess the customary or per, polite thing to say is, oh, good sermon, right? Oh, good sermon. I really enjoyed the <laughs> sermon. And I mean, it's, it's lovely that people say that, but I also know that it's, also, it's sort of like saying, have a great week. You know what I mean? It's just kind yeah. of something... 
So I don't know how much of that is actual, like, oh, you know, this sermon really challenged me or inspired me. But one of the metrics is how people respond is it's more than just the customary good sermon. It's, you know, that really spoke to me or that really. And that's how you can, that's how I can sort of gauge. The other thing is people get stirred up. And what I mean is I'll get way more calls to meet with people for coffee or things like that when when a sermon series has done some stirring. And this was another series that stirred people up. And that's that's how I can sense, oh, yeah, I think we're right in the bullseye here of what we're supposed to be talking about. That's really cool. So, you know, there's also something uh, that I was often thinking as I was listening to you uh, preach this series. You kept um, referring back to Ed Stetzer's book, Christians in the Age of Outrage. And um, I, the book jacket says, um, how to bring your best when the world is at its worst. And I, I want to know more about that book. Did it inspire you with this series or was it just something you used to reference or tell me about that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I didn't read the book until I decided on the series, which is interesting. I think somewhere in the back of my brain, I had locked onto the book's title because I'd heard about it a couple of years ago. And when I, I came up with the idea of love in the age of outrage, I'm like, I think there was a book that had a really close title to that. And I remembered what it was. and I went back and I ordered it. And so as I'm thinking about the series, I, I had already started putting together some scripture to go around the series. And then I got the book and then I read it. And, I'm, and it was a really I thought it was a really helpful framework to talk about the subject it was sort of the glue that held the different pieces of the four parts together. And, and so it happened really like all at the same time, which was, and again, it's not, that's not normal. It just sort of happened that way, but it was another sign to me that it was the Holy spirit prompting me because um, it, it was, it's not my usual process. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds like the Holy spirit to me. Cause that title of the sermon series just sounds so similar to oh, yeah, totally. Ed's book. So, but I'm sure I had his title in my head when I was yeah. thinking of it, you know? Yeah. But in, in your sermon series, actually all your sermons, you often will um, share maybe one of your own shortcomings or you'll talk about some of, uh, you know, evidence of others, that might have outrage that you perhaps witnessed. And I'm, you know, sharing these examples, especially your own personal frustrations, really helps make things more relatable to the audience and helps us to make it real. And do you often choose to preach about something that relates to your own life? Or how do you come up with that? Yeah, I think there's always a tricky line here because... The thing I want to do is I don't want to always paint myself. The temptation is, and it's not even on purpose, it just happens, is that the, the preacher will make themselves the hero of every story they tell. And I don't think, I think I want to show people that I struggle with the same things they do. Just because I have an education, I've been ordained to be a pastor, doesn't mean that all of a sudden I don't struggle with the same things. So I want it to be a comfort. I also want it to be like where they're not, you know, people are putting pastors and leaders on pedestals all the time, and we see the unhealthy damage that that can cause. So I want to take opportunities not to just, you know, be a target or something or just or to have that sort of fake humility either. But I just I want to show that, you know, I have some of these same struggle areas that I'm working through. And so... 
so that it's normal. I want to normalize the struggle because that is the Christian walk, is contain struggle and failure. You're not doing something wrong. It's, it is the, the walk. So that's really the, the big motivating factor. But then it's really a sermon by sermon. It's how I land the plane, so to speak, in everyday life is to just show examples of everyday life. And I'm, I'm my own best example of what that looks like. So. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. Like having um, real life examples like that just makes it more relatable to all of us as we're listening. So I want to end our interview here with, with one of the uh, fun questions I have for you. Um, you know, so many of us who are, are listening to sermons each week from you love the pop culture references that you always throw in, and especially the 80s pop culture, because that is got a special place in my heart, you know? And I wish, um, I, I wish you could have seen the online chatter that we had um, this past Sunday during part four when you put up a picture of you two <laughs> and then you photoshopped your face into that picture. I just love the banter that all of us were talking about online as we saw you doing that live. So anyway, I'm just I'm curious, how do you decide which movie or band or TV series that you're going to mention? Well, if you ask my wife, I don't decide very well uh, often, but... <laughs> It's really just, uh, it's kind of a function of who I am. I was, I was raised by TV and pop culture and movies. And so oftentimes, I mean, I think that form of media are really like modern day parables that speak into people because they're so vivid in people's minds. So if you can anchor an idea to a pop culture reference that has some, has some legs, like has something that people can think of and remember, or if you could take that and leverage it to help explain something it's just the chances of it sticking are so much better and the way that I come up with them is I I just think of them all the time and um, you know again I'll always think of a movie scene or something you know which I you know I was raised in a very unhealthy way with that I think (laughs) TV was the babysitter sometimes but um but I will say that that those often help people you could explain something that's really complex a lot more easily if you could give them something that they know and help them understand it that way. And so for me, like, you know, explaining that my favorite band and it was you too and, and how that works into the point that I'm trying to make, you know, all of that is just a way of, of doing what I think all pastors, we all need to be doing all the time. And that is how are we taking our theology and presenting it in a way for people who don't have theological training to really understand a, a really complicated idea in a way that's real, that they'll remember. And I think that's that's really it. So I don't know if that's really an answer other than to say they just sort of pop up. But I intentionally put them there. That is the thing, is I'll say, if it feels like this part of the sermon is getting too heady, I'll think about how can I bring this to something that people can get their heads around. Well, and I think that um, is why that pulp culture really sticks with all of us. Like we can envision that movie and then it helps us as we're watching things in pop culture, try to relate that to our own Christian uh, life and journey. So anyway, thank you very much. You're welcome. For this doing is this. fun. Thanks I know for it was me. very fun experiment. So thank you very much. <laughs>